thinks about you or what the world says you ought to be to be a part or to even be validated. Um, it's what God says about us. God is the ultimate judge over our lives. God is the one who has created us. The Bible says it is he who have cre created us and not we ourselves. So I choose today to believe what God says about me. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that? I want you to type that under your name. I choose to believe God and what God says about me. In this, you can have a fulfilled and a fulfilled, joyous day today in the Lord, because what God says about you is really what matters. Good morning, Sister Tina. Good morning to you, Sister Golden. God bless you all this morning. Um, so I, I, I choose to believe what God says about me. Listen, and God says we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. So I choose to believe that I'm first. I choose to believe that I'm, I'm the head. I choose to believe that I'm not coming up from the rear. I'm in front. And despite of what others may say or despite of what um, goes on in the world, um, I'm still the head and not the tail. I'm, I'm the lender, not the borrower. Now, some of you might say on here that I don't really don't have anything to lend. Listen, beloveds, what a man thinketh about himself, so shall he be. Change the way that you're thinking about yourself. Speak the things that God is declaring for you to speak. And when you start doing that, when you start being able to call those things that be not as though they were, you'll start see start to see mighty changes in your life. You'll start seeing some some ultimate changes in your life. It's all about how you think and how you perceive things. We have to change our way of thinking. One of the, one of the greatest pastors um, that I heard in regards to this is um, Creflo Dollar. Um, he says we have to get a get away from the stinking thinking. We have to get away from um, always allowing what others say or perceive about us. Um, cause us to think negative about ourselves. Um, think about ourselves in a negative manner. We have to change the way that we view our own selves. We have to believe that we can accomplish great and mighty things. We have to believe that we can become a great asset to this world and to our environment, to our families. How do we do that? The scripture encourages us we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. So we need to be inside of Christ in order to change our uh, trajectory. We have to be inside of Christ to change the way that we are positioned in this world. Because once we, um, we take on the nature of Christ, once we take on the words of Christ, once we take on the life of Christ, it changes everything for us. How do I know it changes everything for us? I'm a product of it. The Bible also says they that are in Christ are new creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Is anybody in Christ today? Have your life changed since you've been in Christ? Have your, your life changed for the better? I'm the first witness. I can tell you that God has changed my life dramatically as he's creating me in Christ Jesus, having me to have an opportunity 
to benefit from our Lord and Savior's life. And so I'm so grateful. I'm internally grateful for the opportunity to be able to share and show forth this this light, this work of life inside inside of my life. And so I thank God for that. I thank God for all of you today. Um, we have been in the book of Thessalonians. We have been in the, the book of Thessalonians. Um, Thessalonians, <clears throat> Thessalonians chapter three. And we have been discussing standing, uh, standing fast, stand fast in the Lord. Paul made a statement to them in this particular chapter. He says, to stand fast in the Lord. And there was a reason why he said to stand fast in the Lord. And we're going to really actually get into this today. We stopped at verse four yesterday, and we're going to pick up in verse five in first Thessalonians chapter three. And Paul did not say stand fast in the Lord for not. Um, in the days and the times that we're living in right now, it is important that we have encouragement. It's important. I don't care who you are. I don't care how powerful you believe that you are in the Lord. I don't care how much word we have. I don't care how powerful our prayer life is. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't really actually care um, how long we've been saved. The truth of the matter is, is that it doesn't matter. All of us, from, <clears throat> excuse me, all of us from time to time need encouragement. All of us need to be encouraged by someone. Um, this world has not uh, put forth a lot of encouragement in this last year. Um, there has not been a lot of hope um, given <clears throat> in this world. Excuse me, just for a second. Let me take a little bit. Got my coffee this morning. Uh, um, but this world, we we find that this world has not been really actually encouraging we have gotten more discouragement in this world today um than a little bit we've had the beginning of 2020 uh has impacted us in such a way and took us by storm that we have had a lot of discomfort um a lot of insecurity uh we had a lot of um a lot of uh, trauma uh chaoticness that has been going on in the world <clears throat> that did we need encouragement and looking at the news all of the time we have to sometimes pull ourselves away from the news because the news is not really encouraging even though the news try to give you information all of the information is not encouraging it kind of keeps you in a slump in your emotions and have you um a, a lot in confusion with your thoughts when you are looking at the news and then you can't trust a lot of the news reports. They, they don't even give you 90% of what's real. Um, that's why you have to look at two, so many different, um, so many different channels to look at um, different news reporters or different segments of the news. So you can kind of gather enough to pretty really put facts out there. So, <clears throat> So we need encouragement. We need encouragement. Um, so many people are losing hope. So many people are losing, um, losing faith. And the Bible already lets us know in Matthew chapter 27 that Jesus even talks to the disciples and he shares with the disciples. Don't be deceived by men. 
Don't be deceived, my men. Why? Because there's going to be a, a a lot of things that transpire in the upcoming years, in the upcoming seasons, um, leading up to the end of the world that's going to happen, that is going to cause a discomfort. It's going to cause some insecurity. It's going to cause um, some confusion. And men like to take advantage of confusion. Men like to take advantage of people in confusion um, and in chaos. We find out men make money um, by wars. They make they make money by confusion and chaos. And so here's here's Jesus telling the disciples before he even shares with them about the the the, um, the earthquakes in diverse places and. Um, the, the turning of family members, one against another. Here's what the Lord tells them. Don't be deceived by men. Don't be deceived by men. And so we're living in a time where there's a lot of stuff that's going on and there's a lot of uncertainties and there's a lot of people losing hope. And there's a lot of fear that has come inside of the world. And this is a sure opportunity for men to deceive you. And why are you saying this, Bishop? Is because we don't want our fear or our insecurity or us feeling some type of way about what's going on around us, conversations we have with people around us to distract us or take us away from what is true and what God has been revealing to us according to the word of God. We have to stay focused in these next upcoming seasons. We're going to have to stay focused. We're going to have to pray, watch as well as pray. We're going to have to stand steadfast. We're going to have to be able to stay vigilant. We're going to have to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit. Jesus already knew what we were going to combat against. I'm going into, this is leading up to what I want to talk about um, in Thessalonians. Um, Jesus knew what we, we were going to face. He knew what the disciples was going to face after he left. He knew that they needed comfort. Can you type under your name that Jesus cares about my comfort? Y'all notice we've been, we've been doing this a lot. But I want you to type under your name, Jesus cares about my comfort. Jesus cared about how the disciples were going to be able to make it not being presently with them, how they was going to be able to go forward and uh, accomplish what the father needed them to accomplish when he was not there. And so he says in Matthew, I mean, uh, in John chapter 14, he says, if you keep my commandments, I will pray to the father and that the father will send you another comforter. He cared about their comfort because he knew this world was not a place for a saint to live in and be able to be successful and moving forward and doing what God wanted them to do uh, without comfort. Jesus said something to the disciples on one hand when he was teaching them. He says, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. Watch this. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. This fleshly body that I'm in, I am in the world because of it. But I'm not of the world because what's in my body, what's in this vehicle is a spirit. It's the spirit of my father in me. And so my father is not of this world. My father is uh, 
He is the one that made this world. But see, this world has nothing for me to be subjected to. I need y'all to understand this. He says, I'm in this world, but this world is not able to provide me comfort. I'm in this world, but this world is not able to provide me healing. I'm in this world, but this world is not able to give me satisfactory. But where I am, what I am in is able to heal, deliver, bring satisfaction, bring joy and peace in my spirit. My father is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is what Jesus was saying unto us. And so he knew that these brothers had to be in this world. And as long as they were in this world without comfort, they were going to lose every battle. They were going to lose against Satan. They were going to find themselves in a place where they have fallen and they could not get up. So Jesus sent the Holy Ghost. Jesus gave the Holy Ghost unto the men of God so that they can be comforted as they are going through the journey to fulfill the mission and the business of their heavenly father, fulfilling the mission and the business of their Lord and savior that he left for them. What does all of this have to do with first uh, Thessalonians chapter three? What's, what does this have to do with stand fast in the Lord? What it has to do with it is, is to let us understand that as long as we're in this life, we're going to suffer some things at the hand of the prince of this world. We're going to suffer some things by his children or the agents or the demons that he employs. We're going to, I don't care how saved we are. I don't care, care how sanctified we are, how Holy Ghost feel we are. We're going to experience some uncomfortable things on this side. But when we have the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is the one that when we have these uncomfortable moments that comes up in our lives, these um, unsured things that happens in our lives, the cares of this life comes to be perplexed in our lives. The Holy Ghost comforts us through these situations. He comforts us through these life experiences that we will not get off track that we will not be distracted so that we cannot fulfill what is our destiny. Oh, glory to God. Thank God. Can we type on our names? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Can we type on our names with exclamation points, exclamation points, and, and, and let it be known that if it had not been for the Holy Ghost, the Lord said, Boy, the Lord have mercy. How would we have gotten through all of these things that we have to go through? So I, we are in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And we're going to go at verse, we're going to start at verse 5 because we ended at verse 4. And here's what, what Paul says to the Thessalonian church. Now we say that we, we talked about that Paul um, could not get back to the Thessalonian church because he was hindered by Satan. And so Satan did not allow him nor Silas um, to get uh, to get back to the church to be able to make sure that they were fully established in the truth, fully established in the word of God. So he winds up sending his his uh, his his pupil. He, he wind up sending his son in the ministry. He sent Timothy to them. And so now Timothy is reading to them or 
uh, uh, sharing with them what uh, Paul had to share with them. And so in verse five, he says, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter hath tempt you and our labor be in vain. So Paul was in a place where he was hindered and he could not get to them. And it was a concern unto Paul about the Thessalonians um, foundation and whether they were fully established in their faith. Because Paul understood being a Christian, being a man of God, as well as being anointed to do what God called uh, you to do is going to cause some troubles to come to you. It's going to cause persecution. It's going to cause ill-willed and uh, a hostility to come to you. It's going to cause suffering. It's going to cause um, experiences. Um, it's going to cause um, um, uh, subjection to things that um, are unpleasant and bad in your life. It's going to cause tribulations to come in your life. Great troubles and suffering is going to come to your life. He knew these things was going to come from the from bearing the name of Christ. And if we were not rooted and grounded in the truth, we would be moved from where God planted us. We know in, in uh, Psalms 1, it talks about a tree being planted by the rivers of water. Listen, God can plant us in a place, but listen, if our roots don't go deep, oh my God from Zion, if our roots don't go deep, we can easily be removed when tribulation comes. Listen what Jesus tells the disciples, my peace I give unto you. He says that the world cannot give. He says, in me, you will have peace. But in the world, you're going to have tribulation. So he says, yes, you're going to have peace. But notice in this world, you're going to have great troubles and great suffering. Why? Because of my namesake. I shared yesterday. I shared yesterday in, um, in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, what Paul uh had to go through for Jesus' namesake. Um, uh, it was told to Ananias by Jesus in Acts chapter 9 and 16 about Saul, which became Paul after his conversion. It says, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And he did. Paul found himself stoned almost to death outside of a city. Paul found himself going to Rome because he was preaching the gospel and found himself shipwrecked. Um, Paul found himself um, around a fire and got bit by serpents. Paul found himself scourged and beat and put in the prison for the name of Christ. Paul found himself lacking food, clothing, uh, encouragement, because he bared the name of Christ, he preached the name of Christ. He preached Christ crucified, buried, third day rose again, sitting on the right hand of the Father, saw that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And because he believed this, all kind of things befought him because he 
believed in this. And so Paul knew that if the Thessalonian church was not established as they needed to be in this foundation, the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were going to fall out. They were going to throw in the towel. They were going to give up. So Paul, in his in, 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 the, in the earnestness of wanting to see them be steadfast, he sent young Timothy and Timothy went to encourage them to let them know what was needed for them. So Paul says when he could not bear it any longer, when he could not forbear it any longer, he sent to find out how they were doing because it was it was bothering him. Can somebody type under your name? Someone is concerned about me. Come on, type under your name. Someone is concerned about me. There is somebody out there that is concerned about you. You are not out there by yourself. You are not alone. You are not at a place where nobody cares. Nobody views you. Nobody knows you. Know. Listen, nobody knows what you're going through. There's somebody that really actually know. God has put you on somebody's heart and mind who really understands and know where you are. And so Paul couldn't bear it anymore. He had to find out what their posture was in Christ. He needed to know what their position was. Were they still yet standing or did he lose them? And so watch this. Watch what it says in 1 Corinthians 7 and 5. I'm reading from the NLT version on this one. I like the translation on this one. It says, do not dep deprive each other. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on a second. Let me make sure that I got the sprite one here. Um, 2 Corinthians 11 and, and 3. 2 Corinthians 11 and 3. It says, but, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Now, this is Paul talking to the uh, Corinth church. And he was saying to them, listen, listen, I'm fearing, I'm fearing, I fear somehow your pure divided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. So, so the same with the Thessalonian church, he says, I, I, I fear that, that, and I, and I, and I sense because I'm not there and I didn't get to really finish the work I needed to with you all. I fear that the devotion that you had in Christ while I was there, uh, um, the pureness of your heart and devotion to Christ while I was there. I fear that now that I'm removed from you, that that you that there will be an opportunity for that to be corrupted. Oh, my God. And and we we know we know how Eve was when 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 God was not there. When we understand how Eve was when Adam wasn't paying attention, Eve was able to be corrupted and manipulated at the tree to do what God told her not to do, what God told her and gave her instructions on not to do. And guess what, beloveds? When we are left alone, when we are not fully established in what we need to be established in, when we're not fully convinced, when we're not fully converted in, in, in what we need to be converted in, we leave opportunity for Satan to come in. We leave a door. We, need, we leave a crack open for Satan to come in. 
This is why it is imperative, my brothers and sisters, that we study the word to show ourselves approved. A workman need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is why it's imperative that we take notes from uh, uh, the instructions God gave to Joshua. He says, Joshua, I'm passing the mantle to you that has been on Moses. Moses is no longer going to be with you. Here's what I need you to do if you're going to have great success. I need you to meditate on the word day and night. I need you to meditate on the word day and night. This is going to bring you great success. Listen, beloveds, we can't go to service or go to the building or pull up on YouTube or pull up on uh, on uh, pull up on Facebook messages from great preachers and then think that's all we are going to need. No, Paul told Timothy, you study the word to show thyself approved. We ourselves got to get in the word and we have to study. All of the messages that we get, all the encouragement and inspiring that we get from preachers, it is only to turn on a hunger and thirst for us to study. It only initiates us to go and study, but it is not to hold you fast. You got to hold yourself fast by meditating and studying the word of God. Because listen, if you fall, you can't blame your pastor. If you fall, you can't blame the prophet. If you fall, you can't blame the, uh, blame the apostle. Their job is only to encourage you yourself to get a relationship with God yourself. How do you do that? You study. Their, their job is to push you towards building a firm foundation for yourself in God. But how do you do that? You study to show yourself approved. Paul says, I find myself in the, with the Corinthian church. He says, I find myself fearing because I believe that your undivided devotion to Christ will be uh, corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Now, listen what the Bible says also too that Paul says to the church. He says, listen, he says in the last days, um, the, the spirit speaks expressly that in the last days, many will depart from the faith uh, by seducing spirits and by the doctrines of devils. Listen, beloveds, that sounds like some people that uh, 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 was manipulated or corrupted because the foundation was kind of rocky. Listen, we have to build ourselves on a sure foundation. Um, Jesus told them, he says, he said to the disciples, what man billeth of house and does not count up the cost? Listen, you're not going to go out here and splurge on building a house that you don't even know how much it's going to cost. And you wind up spending all your money on a house that did not need all of that money. Amen, somebody. So here you find that Paul was concerned about these ones and their position and their posture and where they were in God. Lord have mercy, Jesus. So again, Paul says, I couldn't bear it any longer. We in Thessalonians 3 and 5. He said, I could not bear forbear it any longer. I sent to, to know your faith. I need to know your faith. I need to know where you are. I need to know where you stand. Lest by some means the tempter has tempted you 
and our labor is in vain. So he wants to know, how did you survive the temptation? I need to know where your faith is because our faith, according to Jesus, moved mountains. Our faith is able to allow us to accomplish the things that we need to give us, gives us the ability to be able to triumph over our enemy. But if our faith is not intact, what do we see in many examples that we've seen by the hands of the disciples? Watch this. On the screen, I put Romans 15 and 4. The scriptures were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort, we shall ourselves have hope. So we've learned from the experiences of the disciples of what will happen to you when you have little faith. We know Jesus says that we have uh, faith the size of a mustard seed. We can tell a mountain to beat our remove and be cast into the sea. The seed, the content that's in the seed, that's what's important, not how it looks on the outside of the seed. It's what's inside of the seed that is the real value. So you plant that that mustard seed, that mustard seed is going to give you a great harvest. It's going to it's going to show you what it really is. It can't show you from the outward. It can show you when it is placed in the ground and it starts to grow and materialize, mature. You'll find out that it'll give you a nice little tree there. And so so we have to be conscious of our faith because our faith has to have that ingredient to be able to mature us and we can be able to stand against the tempter. What did Jesus face uh, uh, Satan with in Matthew chapter five? He, he met Satan with faith. He met Satan um, with faith that he had in the father. And watch this. The scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So not only was the Lord when he was fasting and he was uh, he was praying in the wilderness, he was getting counsel from his father. He was getting counsel before he went in the wilderness. And I trust and believe that he was being counseled by the father as well. But in those situations, we got to determine who voice we're going to listen to. Jesus gave us that when he says, my sheep know my voice and I know them and a stranger they will not follow. So Jesus knew his father's voice, but he also knew the stranger's voice. This is why he didn't give lead way for Satan in Matthew chapter four to deceive him. Beloveds, what am I saying to you today? What I'm saying to you today is, is that we have to be conscious of the faith that God gives us through the words he speak to us. Jesus says in John 6, 63, he says the flesh the, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profit you nothing. The words I speak unto you is spirit and it is life. If you want to have life and have life more abundantly, listen to the words of the Savior. If you want to have life and have a victorious life, listen to Jesus Christ. Keep his commandments. Read the word of God because it is life. It is spirit. It will encourage you. It will uplift you. It will fortify you. It will deliver you. Um, but, but we have to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. We have to hear what the spirit of the Lord is speaking unto us. And so Paul says, when the tempter comes, you should be able to survive. 
So I need to know how your faith is, because if your faith is not where it needs to be, then we need God to give you another measure of faith. We need God to increase your faith. How does God increase our faith? He allows Paul to send somebody like Timothy to you to encourage you with more of the word of God, to assure you and establish you in the word of God. Oh, my God from Zion. Y'all all right? Are y'all all right with me? Are y'all all right? Let's look at Galatians. Uh, let's look at Galatians. Let's look at the, another scripture here um, and see what Paul says to the Galatian church. Watch what he says. Um, Galatians chapter two. He says, I, I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those considering, and this is the Ephesians, the Ephesian elders. He went there and he went to minister to them. And listen to what he says. He says, while I was there, I met privately with those uh, consider, uh, considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. Watch this. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for not. The Bible talks about us being in agreement that we be with one accord, minding the same things and speaking the same things. Here's Paul saying, listen, I went to 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 be able to share with them the message and uh and let them know what I was preaching to the Gentile because I didn't need, watch this, I didn't need uh, us to be at odds with each other. I didn't need us to be separated from each other. I needed us to be with one accord. So now he says, I'm getting with you so we can, we can come into agreement. I need to know where we are, lest I'm wasting time, lest I'm running a race that is going to end up to not. I need us all to be with one accord. Listen, and this is what Paul was sharing with them in Thessalonia, he says, listen, in this letter to Thessalonians, I need us to be with one accord. I need to know that my labor was not in vain. I need to know that you have it specifically. You have specifically what God wanted you to have. Listen what it says in Galatians chapter 4 and 11. I'm reading the NLT version. He says, I fear for you. This is what he's telling the Galatian church. Sounds like he's talking to the Thessalonian church as well, too, isn't it? I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for naught. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. I fear for you. Listen, I'm seeing or detecting some things that is going on among you that is, has me at a concern that I fear that all of the hard work that God allowed me to do with you, that it is coming to naught. Paul always had a fear that people wasn't getting it. Do I have some people on here that, that has come to a place and at a point at your ministry, whether you are a witness, a witness for God, or you might be a pastor, minister, or, or a gift to the body. But did you ever come to a place where you felt fear that all that you have been doing for God to encourage and uplift and love people that it was not reaching them? You put in hard work, hard efforts, and it seemed like it came to not. Paul says, I fear for you. Not for me, I fear for you 
that the hard work that has been given, the hard work that has been done, that it, it's, it's coming to naught. You're not going to benefit from it because you, uh, other things have come to, to become priority than the word of God that I've placed in your life. Paul says, I fear for you. Paul just didn't go out here and was unconcerned about people. He did not get out here and he did not have real love for people. Hello, somebody. He wasn't the type of person that just went out here and did it because it was just something to do. Paul had a love for souls. Paul had a a part of compassion for people to have a relationship with God. And watch what it says now in the NLT. It says, my hard work. Listen, Paul knew that it was not an easy work to get the gospel into, watch this, not just get the gospel to people, but get the gospel inside of people, being able to pour in people and and making sure that there wasn't a, 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 a a broken cistern, you know, a broken vessel with a hole in it. You're pouring into it, but it just keeps seeping out. That Paul put in hard work. Paul had to minister and he had to evangelize in some very hard places. And uh, some of us already know how it feels to go and minister in a place where there is already another religion there. There is already another God there. It's already, hello, somebody, I'm talking to somebody. It's already, uh, people already have a different mindset about religion. So when you're there trying to minister the gospel of truth, it becomes difficult sometimes because people's minds are already perplexed and bombarded and crowded with foolishness. It's already bombarded and crowded with polluted uh polluted words, um, pollute, uh, a polluted doctrine. And so, you know, it takes, it takes some time and it takes work. It takes you to, to submit yourself to the work in order for God to be able to do what is necessary. And Paul was concerned about the church at this particular time. Let's go to another scripture here. Philippians, Philippians chapter two 